the key thing you have to understand about a life of success is understanding the importance of vision. A life is run in relation to vision. The vision you have determines the race you run. The vision you have determines your association. Your vision determines your behavior, your association, and your mission in life and your objectives. So the reason why we are having a business empowerment seminar is because one of the key visions of this church is to empower Christians. Is to empower Christians and not only that, to empower us to become a solution to the nations. And the only way we can become a solution to the nations is to have a clear-cut, defined vision. Is to know what our vision is. And once we know what our vision is, we run on the tracks or on the lanes of our vision. Are you following me? We run on the lane or in the lane of our vision. Now, if our vision is to run a thousand miles and somebody is running a uh, hundred miles, we know what our vision is. So we don't leave our thousand miles, no matter how difficult it is, and go and run the other person's hundred miles. Are you following me? So. Uh, it is so key for us to start from the beginning and to understand what our vision is because without vision, people perish. Without vision, people do what? Perish. And because we don't want to perish, we want to operate in the confines of our vision. Because if you don't have a vision you begin to do everything everyone is doing. If you don't have a vision, you do everything everyone is doing. If you don't have a vision, when you see people going to Dubai, you also want to go to Dubai. But your vision is not in Dubai. Your vision is probably in Afghanistan. But if you have a vision, your vision will help you to steer you towards where you are going in life. So our vision as a ministry, number one, is to bring salvation to our communities, which we do on a regular basis, every Sunday and every weekdays. The whole purpose of our preaching, our teaching, our services is to bring people into the realm of salvation. That's number one. Number two is to raise up godly relationships and families. It's to raise up godly relationships and families. So you notice that everything we do most of the time governs around that. Our design, our vision is to raise up godly relationships and families. 
Number three, our vision is to raise leaders who reshape nations. To raise leaders who reshape nations. So everything we do focuses and centers around raising more leaders. Raising more leaders who start reshaping their own life and then from there, they start reshaping their families' lives and then from there, they move to reshaping their community and then expand from there and so on and so forth. And then the fourth one is to economically empower nations. To economically empower nations. And the nations here doesn't only talk about nations like the nation of United Kingdom. The human nations in the church are those that we are talking about. That's why we have the vision five to one. The purpose of the vision five to one is to economically empower nations, nations among us, so that someone will move from their small corner shop to a slightly bigger shop. Are you seeing the vision now? So the vision is from stage to stage. The last but not the least is to become a solution to the nations. Become solution to the nations. Now, in all of these five areas of our vision, one key area is to make sure that we empower businesses in the church, to see the place of businesses in the church, to make sure that businesses in the church are expanding, to make sure that businesses in the church understand the current laws that governs the field that they are playing in. It's so important. And in as much as the acquisition of knowledge is important, we have to also understand that there is a spiritual dimension. There is a spiritual dimension. Hence, the need for this business empowerment seminar. Because, yes, we believe in the physical aspect, the acquisition of knowledge and all that, but then also there is a spiritual dimension. And hence, the need for this business empowerment seminar. So, uh, in, 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 in review or in, in summary, this is the reason why we are doing this. Are you following me? This is the reason why we are doing it. Now, let's start. Let's start. There's quite a lot we're going to dig in today, so... I want you to run as fast as you can with me. Let's start by asking ourselves this question. Where do I want to take whatever I'm doing to? Where do I want to take whatever I'm doing to? That means the business I, that I'm doing, how far do you want to take it? Where do you want to take it to? Do you just want it to happen in your, in your room or in your family? Or you want to take it as far as you can? Let me quickly give you 
a brief overview or a brief history of my life as a businessman. Somebody will say, oh, is he a businessman? Yes, I've done many businesses. Many, many businesses. Now, when I was growing up as a young man, my, my parents didn't have enough money. My father was a carpenter. And I was very intelligent. Still, I'm very intelligent. But in as much as I was intelligent, my parents didn't have the finances to, to sponsor me to the highest form of education. And so what happened was I was working at my father's shop because my father was a carpenter and my school was in the afternoon. So I'll go to the shop in the morning and I'll, you know, you know uh, fix people's chairs, people's tables, doors, beds, cupboards, and so on and so forth. And as a result of that, I was generating income to buy my my books to pay for my fees and so on and so forth. So I did that through my secondary school years from form one to form five. And along the line, the money that I was getting got to my head and as a result of that, I lost focus. I lost track in terms of my studies. And, and this is why I always encourage young people that don't start looking for money from the early stages. Go to the highest form of education. At the end, the money will come. So uh, as a result of that, uh, I didn't pay my fees, obviously. And so when the final day of exams came, we call it then GCE all levels, uh, just like we're sitting in this auditorium, we were sitting like that, and then vigilators came to take me out of the exams hall because I hadn't paid my fees. And so as a result of that, I couldn't write all my exams, my result, my exams, so I failed. And I couldn't progress to sixth form. So as a result of that, I wanted definitely to rewrite my GCO level, but that didn't happen. So I had to go and stay with my brother for some time and things didn't go according to plan because they wanted to help me to go and rewrite my GCO levels. It didn't happen as planned. So what happened was I left, moved back with my parents, and I started working in a communication center. I found a job, and I started working in a communication center. And as I was working there, the little money I got, I was earning, I got myself at this point, well, there, were, there are four rooms in my father's house, four rooms, so at this point, I now have a room to myself. It's a chamber and a hall. Those of you who know Africa very well, it was a chamber and a hall. So I got myself a phone, a landline, and it wasn't meant for business. It was meant for personal use. You know, so, you know, I'll be calling people, people will be calling me. And so one day I was, I was sick and tired of this communication job that I was doing. And so I 
moved from there and went into radio because in those days radio came and one of the quickest ways to get on the radio is when there is any conversation or any topic on the radio station, uh, you call in and you make a, your contribution. So I became very popular in one of uh, those various radio stations. They know a list of people who call, who make their views heard, and so on and so forth. So through that, uh, I realized that there's something I could do rather than just sitting in a communication center people coming in, making phone calls for people, and so on and so forth. So I went into radio. And when I first went into radio, I didn't go to get paid because it was a, I didn't have the qualification. So I went in as more of somebody who would volunteer. So I was paired with another gentleman who has been, uh, who I call his program a lot. It was a Christian program. So We'll go in, he'll be hosting the program, and then I'll make one or two comments, one or two contributions here and there. And then from time to time, he will travel, and then he'll hand over the program to me from 4 in the morning to 6 a.m., and I'll be hosting the program until the time came where they gave me my own program, and so on and so forth. Now, there was a day we had a meeting uh, in at the radio station. At this point, I was going to a church called the International Central Gospel Church. Probably some of you have heard it before. Some of you might not. Uh, founded by Dr. Mensah Utebel. So I was in that church. And so one day we had a general meeting at the radio station. And the manager of the radio station said, what do you think um, if we start playing the messages of Dr. Otterbill Monday to Friday, we think we'll get more listeners because he had a voice. You know, everybody loves to hear him and so on and so forth. So through that conversation, there was one gentleman, he was the, the, the second or the third assistant manager. So we had the CEO, we had a manager, and then the assistant manager. So he was there, and he really didn't like me. He wasn't a Christian. Um, and obviously, when you're not a Christian, uh, they try to, to victimize you if you're a Christian, and you make your views heard. So I said, everybody was against the proposal of playing Dr. Mensah Bill's messages Monday to Friday in the afternoon from 2 to 3. And I said, no, I go to his church, I listen to this man every day. I never get bored. As a matter of fact, when I go to church, I stay for two services. Because even though he's preaching the same thing in both services, he's saying different things all the time. So he never get So through the various arguments, the CEO of the radio station decided, okay, we'll go for Adama's view. We're gonna put the radio station, we're gonna put uh, the messages on the radio. And now, this guy wasn't happy. And then the next question arises, okay, who is going to host that program? It's a case of Joseph telling Pharaoh, there's famine coming, it's seven years of famine, and seven years of plenty. And then Pharaoh asks, who are we going to put in charge of this to make sure 
this transition runs smoothly and he said there's no one else except Joseph. So I was asked to host the program. Now I want you to follow the chain of thought where we are going. So I was asked to host the program. So I was hosting this program. It was becoming very popular. When people drive around town, you know, in those days, I think they still do in Ghana, you see people open their radio stations loud. So in the afternoon from two to three, every shop, every car, every taxi, every house, every office, we're listening to Dr. Ostabio, the living word. And obviously, after they finish, I'll come and make a little contribution, say one or two things, play, because the message is not one hour, it's about 45 minutes or so. I'll play a few adverts, I'll play a few songs, and I'll speak over it, and that's it. My day is done. So, in addition to my six, 4 to 6 a.m., I was hosting this program from... 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. So now, the, the manager of the station one day was not around. The other manager who actually gave me the opportunity to become a presenter on the, on the radio station had left the radio station at this point. He's with another radio station. So this guy, who was solely against the putting on of Dr. Otterbill's messages from 2 to 3, is now obviously the manager. And, you know, he had his own plan. So one day, uh, after the message, he said, I must play a secular song. I said, no, I'm a Christian. I'm a gospel presenter. I have not been employed to play secular music. And at that, those days, I wasn't being paid anyway. They were just giving me something small at the end of the month. And obviously... I, I loved it. I wasn't doing it for money. And so he said, I must play secular music. And I said, no, I wasn't called to play secular music. I'll not play. And then he sent a message to say, if Adama will not play the secular music that I'm asking him to play, he should pack his CDs and leave the studio, never to come back. You know? And I said, yeah, of course. And he said, well, I want you to play. You don't have to speak over it. Just play the song. And I said, no. It's a case of uh, Jesus, Satan's telling Jesus, bow before me and I'll give you everything. And nobody was there. Nobody would have known that I was the one playing the secular music anyway. And I said, okay, I won't play it. I packed my bag and I left. And that was the end of it. For one year, I didn't have a job. It was struggling. It was one year of struggle, and they didn't call me back. He just sucked me like that. For that one year period, God was teaching me just one scripture. As the maids look up to the hands of their master, so do I want you to look up to me for your provision. That's just one scripture. And within that one year, I learned a lot. So one day, I went to church, and then I heard Dr. Otterbill preach a message. What do you have in your house? That's the title of his message. What do you have in your house? Now, remember I told you I had a telephone when I was working at that communication center? 
long ago. So the question is, what do you have in your house? And he was using the case of that woman whose husband was a prophet who was in debt and the debtors came to take his two children to pay for the debt. And then he came to Elisha and Elisha said to her, what do you have in your house? And, and she said, I only have a small jar of oil. And then the prophet said to him, go borrow many vessels, borrow empty vessels, pour the oil, sell it, pay your debt, and you and your children leave off the rest. You know the story. So that was the message Dr. Otterby was preaching. And so when I got home, in those days, I used to walk to church, walk to church and walk back. So whilst I'm walking back home, I was processing the message, what do I have in my life? I don't have anyone to help me. My father has 24 children. Everybody is looking for help on their own. So who can you go to for help? I don't have anybody in abroad to look up to. You know, in those days, I mean, uh, my aunties were in, in, in Nigeria. Nigeria in those days used to be the, the, the Babylon or the America of Africa. You know, until Nigerians told Ghanaians, Ghana must go. And all the Ghanaians were, were, were sent back home with their Ghana must go bags, you know? So I had no one to help me. So whilst I was processing, what do I have? What do I have? I noticed I had one thing. I had a telephone in my house. And this telephone was just in my bedroom. So now I told you I had a chamber and a hall. So I said, okay, if I have a telephone, I can start a communication center. I can start a communication center in my room. So I, I'm a carpenter, so I went and fixed a table. And in those days, a communication center, you have to have a booth. But because I didn't have the money to have create a booth, I did a table, got a big notebook. I employed myself, put a sign outside, communication center, local calls. I named it AST International. That was the name of my first business, AST International, Adama Segwiji Tata International. I didn't even know there was something like international then. I just said AST International. Okay, so after I put it there, one day somebody walked in. A few weeks, no one was coming. I was discouraged. I thought, oh, is this going to work? But I didn't give up. I was there. Somebody walked in and said, oh. I made the phone calls very cheap so people can come because obviously there were others who were in the business long before and I'm now doing it in my room. And in this room, this house is not a blocked house. It's an aluminum sheet house. It's an aluminum sheet building. So I started. More people started coming bit by bit and then the little money I had I added international to the calls. I have to go apply to the communication people, paid some money, and then they added international on the line. So now people can both make local phone calls and international calls. And the more international calls I make, I was getting more money, and bit by bit, 
And then from there, I want you to follow me from there. I approached my dad. I said, this thing is growing now and it will be good because uh, if I can build something small towards the end of the house so that an office so people can come in, which is more convenient rather than coming to my, my room because every time they have to make call, you have to excuse them. You can't sit there and be looking at the person's face because if you sit there, their calls are short. But if you move out, their calls are long. And the longer the call, the more money you make. And so my dad gave me a small portion of his land. And I built the first brick house. Sorry, brick office, brick building in the house. First. Now at this point, I'm very young. But I was focused. I had a vision. I knew what I was going to do. I went to church, I heard one message, what do you have in your house? And look at where it started from, from my little telephone to a small communication center, and then I moved it, built a big office. Some of you that went with me, you saw that office. Uh, and I built boots, now two boots, one for international, one for local. And then I applied, I got extra phone lines, so now the business is growing. The business is growing. And then from there, I employed, remember I was the first employee. I wasn't paying myself a salary. I employed myself and then secondly, I employed my sister. And then I employed another lady, a Liberian lady. And then because in a communication center, you have to have nice ladies there for the men to come. You, know, you, you, you need wisdom in operating the business. So I employed another lady. I never employed men because, you know, if men are there, you have a lot of phone calls being made. So that's how the business started growing. It grew and grew and grew and grew. Now, why am I telling you all this? That everything big starts small. It might be a little talent you have. It might be a little dream. It might be a little, you know, gift here and there. But everything small with vision aligned to it will grow big. And to God be the glory, that business flourished and flourished and flourished and flourished. By making sure I am applying the business principles. I went to church for a long time but in all my hearing of messages it was just one message that broke me into the business realm. Are you following me? Now Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 says from King James it says seest thou a man diligent in his business Seeth thou a man diligent in his business, not in somebody else's business, in his business. It says, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So that means if your business is going to grow or going to expand, you have to be diligent. No matter how small it is, if it is going to grow or expand, you have to be what? Diligent. 
And you have to be diligent in your own business. In your own business, not somebody else's business. In your own business. Seest thou a man who is diligent in his own business. So that means to be diligent, you have to have a business. The question is, what is your business? Mine in those days was a communication center. And I was diligent to make it the best communication center. I added air conditioning. People come. The more air conditioning the places, the more they sit there for a long time. Are you following me? It's wisdom. You have to be diligent. You have to know what the people you're doing business for or with need. You have to know the needs of your market. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Before kings. So that means if you're not diligent in your business, you'll not stand before kings. Does that, does that make sense? If you're not diligent in your business, you'll not stand before what? Kings. See thou a man who is diligent. What does it mean when we say diligent? To be diligent means to make sure you're paying the price. Sacrifice. Commitment. Be committed to the cause. Be diligent. Sometimes it might seem it's not working, but be diligent. One day it will speak. One day that vision will work. Be diligent. Dress for the business. Dress for where you are going. Don't be casual around your business. Be diligent. Be diligent. Be diligent. Be selfless. Be determined. Be persistent. Things might not be working the way you want them to be, but if you are diligent long enough, you will see the fruits of that business. If you are diligent long enough, you stand before kings, you stand before presidents, you stand before great men and great women. How diligent are you in your business? If you are casual in your business, you will not go far. When I was operating that communication center, I wake up early, bath, wear a, a suit and a tie and sit on that table. I'm sure some people came in there and they were laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, they were laughing. They said, how, how can he be wearing a suit and a tie and sitting on this chair and this table and call it a business? I was diligent. I knew where God was taking me to. You see, the end of your vision is only revealed to you, not to anyone else, not to those who come and help. You have to see the end. If you don't see the end, you will never get there. If you don't see the end, you will never get there. Because remember, you can only gravitate towards what you see. What you see. They didn't understand it. I was diligent. I was diligent. I was speaking to a man of God recently who has been in ministry for, for years. You know, for years. You know, for years. And he says, one of the key things I admire about you is your level of excellence. We've been in ministry not for long. 
but he can see excellence in the ministry. I don't compromise on excellence. It doesn't matter where you are. Don't compromise on excellence. Don't compromise on excellence. Once you don't compromise on excellence, you will see multitudes, multitudes, multitudes. Now let's read that same scripture in, in the Message Bible, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. It says, observe people who are good at their work. Observe people who are good at their work. Skill workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take the back seat to anyone. Let me read it again. It says, observe people who are good at their work. Question, are you good at your work? Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. That means when you are diligent, you don't take the back seat to anyone. You'll be at the forefront. You'll be playing on deep waters. You'll be at the best place. Be skilled, no matter how small that business is. The people we admire on the world stage today have been skilled at the backstage before God brought them into the limelight. Be skillful. Be skillful. Be diligent. When you are diligent, you will be in demand. Joseph was put in the pit by his brothers. Yet in the pit, he still had a price. <laughs> Don't use where you are as an excuse. Oh, nobody can see me here. No, your gift will draw many from far and near. In all humility, this church has attracted people from very far and near. Very, very far. People have traveled, some from Dubai, and come to church here. Some have traveled all the way from Switzerland and come to church here. Some have traveled from Germany and come to, I can name them, Eastern, London, name them, Croydon, Manchester, coming to church in Crawley. Southampton. If you are diligent, you can be in a pit like Joseph. They'll come for your business. Don't use where you are as an excuse. Listen. Asda. Asda. Walmart. The owner of Asda. The owner of Walmart. Do you know how they started? Do you know how he started? He started on a tabletop like this. That's how he started. He started selling things on a tabletop like this. That's how he started, on a tabletop. But now Walmart is the biggest, biggest superstore in the US. The number one in the UK, 
they are, I think, the second or the third largest. Isn't that right? Sometimes they come first, sometimes they are second. That's how it started. On a table, small table shop in somebody's backyard. And all his vision was to make sure he gets things to people at a very cheap price. So he'll go and negotiate with bread sellers. Give us bread so we can sell it to these people. Give us tomatoes so we can. And, and from there it expanded. He's dead and gone, but the company lives on. Who knows you are the next Asda? Who knows you are the next Asda sitting right in this church? Everybody started small. Nobody started big. Everybody started small. By starting small, be diligent at your smallness. That's why I take the handling of the ministry serious. <laughs> Our messages on radio and on YouTube, many have no idea this is where we are pray from. Because the level of excellence is beyond this place. The level of excellence in the in areas of our sound that is put out on podcast on radio across the globe is same as ministries that have been around 40 years, 50 years. Same quality. Last week Sunday, the message I preached, I go home T.D. Jakes, who have been in ministry almost 43 years, preaches the same message. Same. I'm only eight years in the ministry. Same message. Same, same scriptures. Same concept. Different titles. Same message. And it's not a one-off thing. It happens all the time. Seest thou a man who is diligent in his business. He will not sit at the back seat. If you can, I had only one message in church that changed my life. It moved me from poverty to prosperity. And I can countless people in this church who have come to church, had a message and said, oh, we just had this. And they go do it and then they succeed. Countless, many people. So be serious with your business. Those who are big today will not be big tomorrow. <laughs> Those who are big today will not be big tomorrow. Be serious. Be diligent. Be diligent. It's your business. Be diligent with it. Die for that business. Pay the price. Go the extra mile. And that business will succeed. Question we want to ask is if you have a vision, if you have a business, you must have a vision for the business. What is the vision of your business? You can't just get up and say, I'm doing business. What is the vision? What is the vision for your business? My vision is to become the largest church in Crowley. My vision is to become the largest church in West Success. My vision is to become the largest church in the United Kingdom. Can you see the vision? 
My vision is to become the largest church in the world. Can you see the vision? It starts from somewhere. And in all humility, this church has grown to become the largest church in work success in many parts of the UK. There is no church in the United Kingdom that has, that is at our age, our level, that has started more branches in the UK than this church. No church. So what's your vision? What's your vision? What is the vision of the business? <laughs> because your vision helps you to run in direction. What is the vision of that business? Don't just get up and say, I'm doing business. Everybody is doing business, so I'm also going to do business. Everybody is doing uh, selling bags business, so I'm also going to sell bags. What is your vision? How far do you want to take this business? God said to Abraham, come out of the tent. Genesis chapter 13, come out of the tent. That means the tent, the days of tent vision must be over. When you are in the tent, your vision is limited. You can't see far. So God says, I want to show you something big. But for me to show you that, you have to come out of that small mindedness, that small mindset, that small vision, come out of the tent. And when he came out, he said, look up to the stars. Look up to the heavens. Look as far, look from where you are. As far as you can see, I will give it to you. That is vision. What is the vision of your business? How far do you want to take this? As far as you can see, I will give it to you. So that means if you can't see far, don't expect God to give it to you. What is the vision of that business? Don't do many businesses. Just do one. Don't confuse yourself. Look at the major businesses around. Name them. Coca-Cola. What's their vision? What's their vision? All they produce is Coca-Cola. Their vision is every corner of the world, everybody will drink Coca-Cola. I mean, yes, recently they've, they've branched into water and other beverages, but They've been in the Coca-Cola business producing the same thing for many years. For many years. You have to understand how businesses expand. The reason why you have to do just one thing is so you don't dissipate your energy. So you are focused. Focus on one thing. Burn on in one area. Perfect yourself in only one area. So have a vision for the business. Now this is your assignment. Write down the vision of your business. I want you to write it down now. Write down the vision of your business. Remember. 
Remember, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So vision is so crucial. Write down the vision of that business. Write down the vision of that business. And then when you get back, type that vision out big and put it somewhere you can see every day. That's why Proverbs 29 verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So if you don't have a vision for the business, you'll perish. And then the second thing you need to write is what is the time frame for the achievement of this vision? Remember Habakkuk says the vision is for what? An appointed time. Though it tarries, wait for it. Though it tarries, what do you do? You wait for it. For at the end, it will what? Speak. Habakkuk 2.2, 2, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables. Write the vision, make it plain upon table. Making it plain upon table means making it accessible to everyone. Every table has different height. If you go to a nursery or a reception, you see children sitting on little tables. You go to year one, year two, year three, year four, university, the tables are increasing, the length of the table. Now, you have to know who the vision is for so you can make sure the vision is plain on the table so they can access it. You see, the vision is like food that you put on a table. When you put it on the table, you, you, you determine who can access it. But if the vision is to, let's say, let, let's, let me just use this example. Your vision is to go into the care business. Right? Let's say your vision is to go into care work, is to expand, to have staff who care for elderly people. Your table must be going to where they are. You make the vision accessible to those people. You don't have a vision caring for elderly people and go to young people. Young people don't need care. I know there are a few who does, but young people don't need care. Isn't that right? Strong men, strong women don't need care. It's elderly people who need care. So you take the vision, you have to now go and look at the, at, at the demographics. Which area have more older people? Yeah? Have more older people. Now, when you know the area, you start 
doing flyers, leaflets, or whatever, and targeting that area. Now, what are you doing? You're making the vision, putting it on the table, and making it accessible to those who need it. Let, let me just use another example. Let's say I'm not, I'm not, I, I have to be careful what I'm going to say now. Now, let's just say that you are into uh, skin bleaching products, right? You want to sell skin bleaching products. Now, you don't take skin bleaching products to white people. They don't need it. Are <laughs> you following what I'm saying? You don't have flyers and then you see a white man, a white man say, here, yeah, this is a skin bleach. You know, they don't need it. You have to know your target. Are you following what I'm saying? Or let's say you sell hair, you sell hair, hair products, and then you come to me and say, I always shave my hair. And you say, I'm selling hair. I'm a man. Yes, I have a wife, but I prefer my wife to go and get her own hair. Don't sell it to me. That's a wrong table. So it says, for write the vision, make it plain upon the table that he may run that read at it. So when a, when a vision is on the table, it is accessible to those that you are taking the vision to. So they can see it. Are you following me? Verse 3 of Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is yet for what? An appointed time. So that means the vision has an appointed time. There is time to that vision. There is time. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, how many years from now do I want to move my business from just... 10 people participating to 20 people to 30 people to 50 people. Are you getting this? Or in the next five years, I want to increase my portfolio from 2 million pounds to 15 million pounds. Because you can't be on two million pounds forever. You tell yourself in 10 years or in five years, I want to move this business income to 15 million pounds. Now, once you have that vision, the next question is, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make sure I can bring in 15 million pounds a year? That means the way you do things will change. So, the vision is for an appointed time. But though, it says, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it shall surely come, it will not tarry. So, the vision has an appointed time. The reason why you need to have a vision and have time allocated to the vision is so you are not discouraged. Do you understand? Now, you don't expect a one-year-old baby or a two-year-old baby to be able to define the word dictionary. <laughs> Did you get that? If a two-year-old cannot pronounce the word dictionary, 
you're not going to be worried, are you? Because at that stage, they don't have the capacity to be able to define the word or pronounce the word dictionary. But when a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old cannot pronounce the word dictionary or define the word dictionary, you'll be worried. Right? Because of the time. So the time helps you to stay focused. The time helps you to stay focused. Knowing that, okay, this vision is only five years old. At five years, it's supposed to have five million pounds coming in every year. For instance, when we started the church, the first year, our income was not what it is now. Are you following me? As a matter of fact, when we started the church, our monthly income then is an individual single offering today. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you grasp it? When we started the church, our monthly income, the whole month income, is one individual's offering today. So, you have to understand times and seasons. If you don't understand the time of the vision, you'll kill yourself. You'll kill yourself. When we started the church, a whole year's income is someone's one month tithe today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tomorrow, the whole year's income of this church will be somebody's offering. <laughs> it will be somebody's one-day offering. Can you see the time? It's in progression. If you don't know the time, you'll kill yourself. So, you must have vision, the vision of the business. The second thing is, what is the mission of the business? What is the mission? What do you stand for? What is your mission? What are you here for? What are you here for? What is this business here for? What is the mission? My mission is to provide clean water. That's my vision. Is that what your mission is? My mission is to provide clean, portable, affordable water. That is your mission. Do you see? My mission is to supply my food products to Tesco's. That's your mission. Every house. Now, something very interesting um, uh, happened the other day. You know, I always declare that a time will come uh, in every household, there'll be a member of solution. Amen. I've always declared that. Amen. And recently, my wife and I were somewhere and workers in that place, we saw members of the church. Not one, not two, not three, not ten. We saw many workers. I said, my wife said, you see, now we can't hide. Everywhere we are, there are members of Solution. And that's it. Now, yesterday I was in town and, and doing 
evangelism and somebody say, hello, pastor. I don't know this person. I don't know this. I say, oh, hello, who are you? I don't know this person. I say, oh, I'm this and this. I go to this branch. Can you see what's happening? And at time, that's their mission. Their mission is in every household, in every workplace, in every institution, there'll be managers, members of solution will be the owners of that company. They'll be members of that company. They'll be owners. Can you see? Can you see where we are going? So I, I have to be nice to everybody. I have to smile all the time, even when I don't want to smile. I have to make sure I'm not crossing the red light. I have to make sure I'm not beeping at somebody because who knows, that person driving a Lamborghini is a member of, of my church. I don't know. What's the mission of that business? What's your mission? What are you here for? A clear, defined mission will give you access to many places. Write that down. A clear, defined mission will give you access to many places. A clear, defined mission will give you access to many places. So what is the mission of the business? What is the mission of the business? Number three, what is the strategic growth plan of that business? Number one is the vision of the business. Number two is the mission of the business. Number three is the strategic growth plan of the business. I spoke about that already. Five years, ten years. How far do you want this business to go? Don't just be happy. When I started my communication center, I was the first employee. And then I employed my sister. And then I employed two other people. Do you see? Growth plan. Growth plan. When this church started, we couldn't employ anyone. But today, I have employees, not only here in the UK, but across the globe. Are you following me? So you have to have a growth plan for the business. Growth plan. So if the business has stalled and not growing, you need to be worried. Why is it not growing? Ask yourself questions. Why are people not patronizing my business? And please remember that there will be people who will come on that field trying to outwit you all the time. Tesco's used to be the biggest superstore in the UK. Used to be the number one. And then Asda showed up. And then Morrison's and then Sainsbury, and then there are the oldies, and there are the Lidl's, right? All these people are fighting for the same market share. They are all fighting for the same people. That's why they have people going into the various stores comparing prices. Because bread in Tesco, one pound, when you go to Aldi or Lidl, the same bread size, thick, white size bread, will be probably 75p. And if you have bread in Tesco for one pound and bread in Lidl 
or all the for 75p, where will you go? Of course, bread is bread. You go to the one that's cheaper. Isn't that right? So now, Tesco has to come up with a strategy, buy one, get one free. And when they come up with buy one, get one free, everybody buys one. Everybody's doing buy one, get one free. Don't start the business and stay the same forever and ever. Amen. So, what's the strategic growth plan of the business? How far do you want to grow? How wide do you want to grow? Number, th- number three. Number three is learn the act of negotiations. Learn the act of negotiation. If your business is going to grow, you have to learn the act of negotiation. Don't just accept everything on faith value. Negotiate everything. Even at the bank, you can negotiate. (laughs) You can negotiate for things everywhere. There is nothing like, don't just accept the price tag on what you go to the shop for. Even online, you can negotiate with machines. You say, how? There are certain places I buy certain things. And I know that I'm not going to pay the full value. So what I do is I'll go and click and click and click the number of things that I want. And I'll leave it in the basket for three, four days, a week and then I'll receive an email. We notice you are buying this. Why don't you finish your shopping today? You get 20% off. That's negotiation. That's negotiation. Somebody got it on their face value price, I got 20% cheaper. So you can negotiate everything. Including your knocking at marriage ceremony. You can negotiate the price. (laughs) <laughs> I negotiated the price of what my father and mother-in-law were requesting to pay. Do you know how much money I've saved for this church? Hundreds of thousands. Ten, ten, over 200,000, 500,000 pounds. Because everything I buy for the church, I have to go to the place where I get it the cheapest. Negotiate. Learn the act of negotiation. They can only say yes or no. If they say yes, you have gained. If they say no, you have still gained. You haven't lost anything. Learn to negotiate on everything for the business. Negotiate the office space price. Negotiate it. If that office is, let's say, a thousand pounds a month, go and negotiate it. Tell the owner, I'll stay here for five years. Lower them the money. What if I pay you three months in advance? They will lower the price. And at the long round, you have saved more for your business than you would have paid. Negotiate. Learn the act of negotiation. God came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, why will I do this if I don't reveal it to my prophet Abraham 
So God revealed this to Abraham. And Abraham started negotiating with God. Abraham said, God, if you find 50 people, will you destroy? God said, no. Abraham lowered it to 40. Abraham lowered it to 30. He lowered it to 20. He lowered it to 10. Until he couldn't negotiate any further. And God couldn't find any righteous person in the land. And he destroyed the land. Learn the act of negotiation. If you're going to buy a land, and they say they are selling one plot of land for 55,000 pounds, tell them, I'll buy 10 plots, but I'll pay bit by bit, reduce the price. They will. You have to be the master negotiator of your business. Everything we buy for the church is negotiated upon. I don't buy anything on face value. Never. Everything. You have to look for ways to save money all the time. I took a laptop to be fixed um, a few days ago. I think I'll get to that in my subsequent. Let, let me not get to that. I'll get to that later. The next one was number, number one is what? Vision of the business. Number two is mission of the business. Number three, strategic growth plan of the business. Number four, the act of negotiation. The fifth is the act of skillful alliances. The act of skillful alliances. Understand that your business cannot stand alone. Understand that that business cannot what, stand alone. So you need alliances to help you to the next level. You need associations. You need people who understand where you are going. Who can help you move to the next level. So understand the art of skillful alliances. Form skillful alliances with people. Now, we have done a form to be filled today. And the purpose, one of the main reasons of that purpose is to know what business everybody is in. To form like a form of a business directory in the church. So that we can, because it's a big church, most of the time people don't know what people are doing. So we can say, okay, this person is into this business. Why don't you form alliances if you, uh, for instance, if you are into manufacturing of cars, someone is into manufacturing of tires, you can form a skillful alliance. You manufacture your cars. This one manufactures tires. And you come together, instead of, ordering your ties from another person who is outside of the church, why don't you do it from within the church? 
For instance, if you want to buy a house, you buy a house today and you need work done. There might be businessmen and women in the church who are into uh, building of houses, decorations, constructions, and so on and so forth. And you need few things done in the house. Why don't you connect to people in the house? Who, who understand? Now, let me, let me tell you something. In the Jewish community, right? In the Jewish community, before one pound or one dollar goes out of the community, it has to pass through the hands of eight Jews. How many? Eight Jews. It has to go through the hands of eight Jews before it comes out of the community. Very, very important. Before it comes out of the community. So if we form that alliance and one pound goes through eight people and is circulating in the community, that empowers the community more. That's why the Jewish community is more blessed. And that same principle can be applied in this church. Where businesses circulate their one pound through the businesses in the church. It doesn't go out. That's where true empowerment comes. And look at the Jewish community. They are the most blessed. And the easiest way to be successful is to learn from an example that is doing what you want to do. Number six is understand your playing field and do a good market research. Understand your playing field. What area is your business functioning in? Because before you go into that business, there are others there before you. There are others there before who? Before you. When I came to this part of the United Kingdom eight years ago to start a church, there were other churches. There were other churches. And I had to do a research what the other churches are offering. <laughs> Somebody said, is the church supposed to do that? Yes. There are other churches who are doing other things. Their style of preaching is different. Their style of worship is different. Their style of teaching is different. And I have to look at the market, market research, and see what can I offer differently. You have to be willing to offer something different before you can reach more people. Now, I took, I took a laptop a couple of days ago to be fixed. And I went to three, I told you about the act of negotiation. I went to three different companies. The first place I went to is the number one playing major player on the field. I went to the number one major player, the biggest computer selling and computer fixing company. And when I went, they said just to open the laptop and to look at what is wrong, is 60 pounds, right? This is the biggest company. So from there, 
I moved to another company that has more like the second major player in the field to this major company. And when I went, they said to open the laptop and to diagnose what's wrong with it, I'll have to pay 40 pounds, is it? 40 pounds or 45 pounds. 45 pounds. That is just to open the laptop, doing nothing, just to see. And I know the problem with the laptop. I said, the power is not working. So that's a problem. How much is the power going to cost? Power socket's going to cost. I said, I don't know. I can't tell. I know the guy is lying to me. So I said, okay. And so the, the, the least we'll charge will be 96 pounds. And the first company said, well, 60 pounds to diagnose, and maybe the parts will cost one or two pounds. So in total, you'd be paying about 62 or 65 pounds or whatever. The second one said 40 pounds to open, and then the maximum you're going to pay is 96 pounds. I moved from there, went to the third player on the field. This third player is a baby player. He's just come on the field not long ago. Doesn't, it's small, it's small corner shop, small player. And I go to him, I said, how much are you going to charge? He looked at it, he said, oh, this is a power socket that is broken. I said, how much are you going to charge? 75 pounds. I said, what? You know what's wrong? I said, plus the parts and everything, 75 pounds. I said, can you do anything cheaper? I said, no. I said, okay. Then he went, oh, I can guarantee you if you go anywhere else, it will be more expensive than this. Not knowing that I have done my market research before coming to him. That means he doesn't understand the field he's playing on. The biggest company is charging 60 pounds. The small who wants to grow, who wants to expand, doesn't understand the market playing field. And, and sadly to say, he's a Christian. The other two are unbelievers. Do you see how many believers don't make it in business? Because they spiritualize everything. And when, when he doesn't get more business, he'll be binding the devil. I bind you, devil. I bind you, devil. In the, no, it's not the devil. You haven't done your market research. You haven't done your market. You are in a small corner shop somewhere. Many people don't know you. Instead of understanding what others are doing, you have chosen to ignore. From time to time, I check what churches are doing in the whole of Crawley to know what they are doing. Wisdom, very important to know what they are doing. I know most of them copy what we are doing so sometimes I have to make sure I only release what we are doing a month too so they don't know what we are doing. <laughs> you need wisdom. You need wisdom. Are you following me? You can't just say, oh God, Jesus. No, you need wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, 
Your business will not go far. And you think it's the devil. It's not the devil. It's not the devil. Markets reset. The last one is know what your competitors are doing and do it better. I've said that already. Know what your competitors are doing and do what? Do better. So if you are in the care business, know what your competitors are doing. There are others before you. And please don't think that your competitors want you to flourish. No, they want to kill you. They want to dwarf your business. They don't want your business to grow up because your business is a, 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 a your business can kill their business. So they will not allow your business to even grow, to flourish. I've told you before that I wanted to have a job fair in the church and I went to the MP. I told the MP, I went with you, isn't it? I went to the MP and said, oh, one of our plans is to have a job fair. The next thing, the MP goes to do a job fair. Be careful who you go and share your vision with. Are you following me? Most of my pastors don't even know the next move of this church. They don't know. They don't know. Because they, they cannot comprehend it. Even my wife doesn't know the next move, most, most of the time, the next move of the church. Because I receive it from God. God is the final boss. He sees it. I don't have to confer with flesh and blood. What do you think? Should we do this? No. This is command. It's a command chain. He says it. I hear it. I obey it. It's not subject to discussion because it is his church. Are you following what I'm, I'm saying? You have to understand, you must know your competitors. Do you think tomorrow if you say you want to start uh, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola will sit down and be happy. Hey, we have somebody who wants to. No. Go into the advertising world and see. Every word you are trying to use as a Keyword, somebody's already using it and they are paying a lot of money for it and they don't want you to be at number one on the Google search engines. So to be at number one position, it costs us a lot of money as a church. To make sure when people search for churches, let's say churches in Crawley, solution will come up number one. Churches near me, solution will come up as number one. Pentecostal churches, solution will come up as number one. Non-denominational churches, solution will come up as what? Number one. Praise and worship, you have to understand. You have to understand. And because in most cases, people who do searches, who search for things on the internet, they don't go to the second page. They only look at one page. That's why countless occasions you've heard people say, oh, this one came to, I, I saw the church on the internet and I came. 
because the internet is part of the playing field. There are many churches that have been here for years before we came. That church has been there for over 100 years. Over 100 years. Yet in all humility, this church is far bigger than that church. Do you think it just happens? No. No, it doesn't just happen. You have to know what your competitors are doing and do better. Know what they are doing. Know what they are doing. Know what they are doing. Yesterday I was in town and somebody was saying something to me. He said, um, you know, I was going through these challenges and I was just watching uh, uh, the Christian channels on TV and watching some Christian preachers on YouTube. And then I said, aha, whether you like it or not, what people watch on TV has a large influence over their lives. Our YouTube channel, we need to pick it up. We need to make sure every time the messages are preached, it's uploaded because people want to watch all the time. People want to listen all the time. Our podcast is a little, uh, uh, just under two years, but it's among the top, top 20 in terms of podcast listenership. And there are those who have been there for years, 10 years, 20 years. Ours is among the top 20. Now, I don't want to, I'm not happy with top 20. I want to move it to number one. To number one. So most of the time we've put things in place for people to subscribe to the podcast. So that the moment it's uploaded, they get it on their devices. When they listen, it's pushing our podcast up. The more people listen, it's pushing our podcast up. The more people watch our YouTube channels, it's making it more popular. Do you see how it works? You have to know what your competitors are doing and do better. Know what they are doing and do better. Okay? Okay? All right. I think I'll take a, a, a quick pause for you to freshen your mind because I think I'm giving you so much. So I'll take a quick pause for you just to freshen your mind and ask one or two questions and then I'll move to the next stage. Okay? All right. So that's the end of the first stage. Did you receive something? Okay, excellent, 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 excellent. We are getting somewhere. Okay, is there any questions? Anyone want to ask any questions?